Voices serves as the megaphone for individuals who have endured transformational change. By highlighting trials and triumphs, our desire is to create a safe space for pivotal conversations, which in turn will deepen the story and provoke hope for you, our listeners. As you may know, change is never easy, but it is inevitable. You are not alone in what you're facing. Your transformation is possible, purposeful, and now. And here's Aaron Wiggum, founder and managing director of New You, with this week's guest. Welcome to another edition of New Voices. My name is Aaron Wiggum. I'm your host for today. And uh, you are truly in for a treat. Uh, this is this woman who you're going to meet in just a moment. Um, she is a true powerhouse. She's a friend of mine. We've been friends. Uh, it's, it's, it's hard to say, but over 25 years, we've been friends. Uh, I can't believe it. And um, she's truly been a blessing to my life. She is, has been a, has been a uh, C-suite executive for um, over half her career. And she is a global thought leader. Um, she is a devout woman of integrity. She is uh, one of the people who allow you to always look into her and see yourself. Um, and I, I really love the prism that she provides other people um, as they look into her and see themselves. They see a, a better version of themselves by looking into her. And um, she really has been a gift to my life. She's been a voice of reason. She's a sounding board. She is um, the mother of rationality. And um, I'm just so glad to have my friend uh, on with us today. Uh, so we want to welcome my friend and soon to be your friend, uh, Jessica Brooks, who is um, leading many things right now in Atlanta and has just made a transition from Pittsburgh to Atlanta. And uh, so we welcome you, Jessica to the new voices podcast thank you oh my goodness i'm taking you on all the major platforms with me to introduce me that was so heartwarming and made me think like 25 years ago did aaron think he would be sharing these words about me today um actually I, aaron did yeah actually aaron did think that yes 25 years ago uh on an elevator ride up to our first inroads um Saturday talent development uh thing where we met at the at the elevator and you were late and I was late. Uh uh today I still remember that. So absolutely Aaron thought twenty five years later this woman will still be in my life. Oh, I love that. It's it's been a blessing. It's been a blessing for sure to have you as a, a friend and confidant and I'm ready to have this conversation and see how we can uh bless others through my story. Absolutely. Um, so I, I want to start from the beginning. Um, let's go all the way back to Clareton, PA, uh, where you're from. I know you rep the Bears. And um, yes. And, and I, I want you just to share, like, what was your what were your beginnings like? What who was Jessica as a mm -hmm. as a as a youth? Wow. Jessica as a youth. Well, yeah, I come from a big family. Um, my dad was an evangelist and my mom mm -hmm. 
for many years was a stay-at-home mom until she had to go to work. And I remember that being around middle school. Um, and she mm-hmm. went to work many jobs, several jobs in a doctor's office. She also worked a second job in retail. I remember her mm-hmm. going to um, community college and at night to get her associate's degree, just seeing mm-hmm. um, her transform from the way we once knew her to who she needed to become to provide for her family to ensure yeah. that um, we were able to have opportunity. And um, that included moving us for a stint out of Clareton for a better school um, education. And uh, mm-hmm. they moved us across the bridge to a place called Elizabeth Forward, another small yeah. community. And um, and we, because my dad was an evangelist, you know, we were rooted in our faith. We were at church all the time. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, we traveled uh, to many, many other families' homes and stayed with them and went to other churches as he went to preach all up and down the East Coast of mm-hmm. the United States. Um, so we had a lot of opportunity to be together um, and to be a family and to sing songs and to have sandwiches mm-hmm. out of coolers. And yes, uh, and that was our foundation. Uh, that mm-hmm. was my, my childhood um, that we didn't have a lot of... Um, financial means as I understood it. But at the time it didn't feel like that. And my mom always told us we were rich and she told us was rich meant that we, because we had God. And Mm -hmm. for that reason alone, we weren't poor. We weren't, we didn't lack anything. And although there were were things we couldn't do that we might want to do at the time we wanted to do it. um, Mm -hmm. I did grow up feeling like I was, I didn't lack anything. I was able and I was capable. Mm. Um, mm. At the same time, I, you know, when they moved us to Elizabeth Ford, it was, we were a minority. I was mm. the only one um, in my classrooms, oftentimes, only black um, female, only black person. Mm. And, mm. Um, and out of the school, I could count probably on my hand or no more than both my hands when I mm. did see another student that looked like me. And yeah. that came with challenges. It came with racism very early yeah. on in elementary school. I saw the N-word written on bathroom stalls. I still remember that mm-hmm. till this day. Yeah. And I and I remember um, having to reinforce everything that I've been told at home to myself um, yeah. to just replenish for the next day, to be able to um, be present and be able to fully contribute. Mm-hmm. And that hasn't really changed much you know, throughout my yeah. career. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm grateful, honestly, for that experience. That was difficult at times, um, mm-hmm. but I'm grateful for the training ground that I, but I also remember, and the people tell me often when I see them from home, my high school classmates, my siblings, that they always knew, like you always said you would be doing this. Yes. And honestly, I don't remember. I don't remember saying those things, but I hear yeah. that all the time. Like, oh, you, you, I'm not surprised because you always said you would be doing this. Or I'm so proud because you're doing exactly what you said you were going to be doing. Yep. And um, and I love that because I had to be inspired. Um, mm-hmm. and and I appreciate being able to be a witness to that um for others. Um, but I don't remember. I remember dreaming a lot. I remember yeah. aspiring as a child mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and seeing myself beyond my community, but never forgetting my community like that. Nice. My community 
um, the small town city feeling like a town being um, something I was proud of, you know, and it offered community. And that's still very important to me today. Um, So that's a little bit about young Jessica. Yeah. You know, I think that it, you know, you talked about the racism and, and seeing the N-word on our stalls and everything. And I, I, I was recounting stories in my life where, you know, I grew up in Wilkinsburg, another suburb of Pittsburgh. And, uh, you know, but I went to private school uh, with predominantly white kids. And when I first got there, I was one of probably two or three blacks in my grade and uh, probably 10 percent of the school was black. And. Same thing. Called out your name, you know, all uh, I, I remember getting in plenty of fist fights, you know, and, and having to rep not just my name, but my city. And uh, also have to show it in the spelling bee when I when you had to find out that I'm from the hood, but I ain't stupid. Right. And so um, so there, there was there was always this like grit that had that was like built in because of the adversity of being the only representation in a particular space at a young age mm-hmm. um, and, and not really having much to model from. Um, but the ingredients that were put into us uh, through our faith and through our family, uh, I remember my, my dad uh, talked, you know, sharing a, a great deal with us about um, our ancestry and s- sharing with us about uh the value of the kingdoms of that day that black people had in 16 whatever and for i don't remember all the dates and stuff now but he was telling us this stuff as kids like don't let your story start at slavery because it doesn't right Mm -hmm. and i walked into school at second grade in a private school and knew that i come from an ancestors of uh, ancestry of individuals who uh, had led marches and uh, and had run kingdoms and taught civilization to other parts of the world who was trying to tell us that we weren't civilized. Right. Mm-hmm. And so kind of knowing who you who you were and not letting letting that be negotiable has been like a through line is what I'm hearing. It's been yeah. a through line from Clareton to Atlanta. It's been a through line, like knowing who you are and not letting that be negotiable. Mm-hmm. And so kudos to you for always um, wearing that. I mean, you're wearing your Wakanda, you know, you, you got your, your your print on right now, you know. And so <laughs> all of that goes into um, what you're getting when you call uh, a people who know who they are. Mm-hmm. Right. And that it shouldn't be negotiable. So no. thanks for sharing that. Um, let's fast forward a little bit into, into, you know, you're moving through and and there's so many things that I can, there's so many ways I can take these questions. Right. Um, let's go through though, Jessica and Clareton to your family is a Penn state family, right? Yeah. (laughs) And you all, everybody I know who has the last name Brooks got a Penn state degree, which is amazing. Right. Um, I I want to know what made that a thing. What what where did that come from? Where did that Penn State pride come from? And then how did you navigate creating a reality? You you said you were dreaming all the time. How did you navigate creating a reality that you didn't necessarily experience? 
So you've now created a trajectory for your life and family that you necessarily didn't experience, but you were able to see it and believe it enough to go after it. Where did, where did all that kind of come from? Can you kind of lead us through that? That's a good question. And maybe I'll uncover it a little bit in this conversation. Um, so, yeah, I mentioned my mother, she had a four year degree, um, but she mm -hmm. did have some, some education, um, some, mm -hmm. you know, post high school education. Um, my father was an evangelist. He was in the Vietnam war. Um, and he had like a, I don't know if he had a semester at Pitt, but he had like a, maybe a course at Pitt, but mm -hmm. still not a four-year degree. Um, right. And my older sister, who's um, seven years older than me, Siobhan, mm -hmm. who you know. Shout out to Siobhan. Shout out to Siobhan. Uh, she really set a trajectory for um, myself and then my siblings and the next generations coming after us being the first to go to college um, and receive a bachelor's degree in the family. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so she set that tone. So by the time, you know, I was in high school ready to make a decision, I had a sister with a degree. Um, what was different is, you know, she was a teenage, she was a single mom. She was a teenage mother. Um, and I was able to see her do that in spite of, right. Like to, to make it happen as a, as a mother yeah, going to college, ensuring she had an education, living on her, her own outside of the home, um, and so I was able to see that she was able to do that um, with all of those other challenges that comes with being a young mother and trying to still navigate life and figuring out your path. Um, so, so education was always important and instilled in us, but she created a pathway. Like she opened up, like cut down some trees and I could yeah. see through the forest, like, okay, go in this direction. Uh, we also, um, because I was, I was, an excellent student. Hi, one of the, you know, I did great in, in school. I you can say what you were. You don't you got, got a partial word. You could, if you were valedictorian, pop your collar and say what you were. But I was up there and, okay. um, and I was able to, because of that, I got attention uh, in school. Mm -hmm. Maybe my, some of my peers didn't. And I had favor with the guidance counselor. There was a Penn State office in my high school, like a guy from Penn State who was in the high school. Was that Mr. And Washington? I, yes. No, no, okay. not, yeah. not Mr. Washington. Not Mr. No. I met him okay. later. Okay. okay. And I would go in and all I knew is that I wanted to wear great sharp business suits, travel internationally, and negotiate. This, this is Jessica. Now, this is the <laughs> Jessica I remember. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So I shared that with them. I said, like, I don't know what I want to do, but I want to negotiate. I see myself in sharp business suits. And I yeah. want to travel internationally. And yeah. he said, Penn State has a great program called International Business. Mm -hmm. And I applied amongst other, uh, along with other schools because I had vouchers mm -hmm. because of my academics and favor. I was able mm -hmm. to apply to many, pretty much as many schools as I wanted to. And that was the school I selected. Um, it was important to me to go to University Park, which was the main camp, is the main campus mm -hmm. of Penn State and, and travel a bit from home where my sister didn't have the opportunity. She had to go to campus closer to her because of her dynamic. So I was the first to like leave, go a few hours away to college mm -hmm. and experience that. Um, mm -hmm. And then my younger sister, who's just 18 months younger, Diane, was ended up being my college roommate there at State College. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's just been a trickle effect from there. My younger brother went, then my older yeah. sister. By then, her, her son, her oldest child, 
was going, getting ready to go. Yes. He's 10 years younger than me. So he ended up going, his siblings since yes. him. And he has, we have one in there now. And uh, we have yep. three, four, five more to go, you know. So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, so that's how we became a Penn State family. My sister really um, set that site. And then me kind of having an idea and having proximity to someone who can say, I know the right place for you that has yeah. everything you described and you dreamed, you're dreaming about it actually exists. It's a real thing. You can wear sharp business yeah. suits and travel internationally. And so I went to the small college of business, international business, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, management was my, what was my concentration in HR. And I ended up being able to study abroad in college and um, work for a global company uh, right after college um, to get me um, closer to what I envisioned. Now, I'm not yet traveling globally on a regular basis for my career, but that is next. Mm-hmm. That is next. It yeah. definitely is. Yeah. And while we're while we're while we're talking about Siobhan, let's just go ahead and give her, her flowers now because she would have it no other way. Uh, but, 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 uh, Siobhan, um, uh, you know, what Siobhan brings in a quiet way Uh and from behind the scenes, um, is really, uh, it's unprecedented to be able to lead from behind because she's never going to be the person out front with the mic. She doesn't want to be that person, no. but what she's able to do from behind the curtain and the way she does it with all good intent, the most purest, you know, good intentions um, is just, it, you can't find it anywhere. And when I was able to finally kind of like uh, understand that in working with her for eight years, <laughs> uh, when I was able to process that and be like, uh, like the value of that is like, you, you can't measure it. You um, it just cre- it created a level of like trust and a bond um, that we even pulled Siobhan into work that we're doing here in Tulsa. And she went to, I can't believe it, but she came to, um, <laughs> to, to Tulsa. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, Siobhan's here? What the world? We paid for her to come and then believe she didn't, was going to come. <laughs> and she came and she did a retreat with us in Arkansas and she contributed and I saw her roll up her seat, her sleeves and be inspired but not just be inspired, but in a quiet way, inspire the whole room. Yeah. And to the point that the team was talking about, like, how do you know her? And what, what, you know, what, what does she do? And what, you know, and so um, just shout out to Siobhan for. Shout out um, to Siobhan. Yes. So, I mean, you described it and so spot on, so precise. And I've had the honor and privilege to have that person that you just described in my yeah. life, my entire life. life and yeah. who loved me and, yes. uh, and who I always felt like she was the benchmark. And, yeah. um, it, which is why I even have a master's degree. I'm like, she's not, I play, I, I told her, don't go for your doctorate because then I'm gonna have to get my doctorate. You know? You like, that, yeah. 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 You set the tone every time she sets the bar and, um, mm-hmm. And she's changed the trajectory of our life. Talk about generational wealth. When you talk about, you know, what a degree can do for a family. Um, She literally shifted, went from generations of, you know, not having a college degree to now every person since she's gone to college have now gone to college. 
and has yeah. a degree um, yeah. from, you know, not you know, my the remainder of the siblings to now our children. And she yeah. did that. Right. So yeah. um, and she she does that for many people in different ways. Uh, yes. And she'll take people in from from, yeah. uh, you know, from when I think about my community engagement and all the boards that I sit on, mm-hmm. um, you know, of course, my father being an evangelist and and I'm seeing him, um, we were literally staying in people's homes and I see lines yeah. waiting for him to pray for them and pouring mm-hmm. out after preaching for tears. He was a long-winded preacher. Um, mm-hmm. And and then, uh, you know, and my sister just willing to take anybody in off the street, literally, and, and feed mm-hmm. them or, or cab them in her home or yeah. we would be like, who is this person at our house now? But, you know, when I think about all of that, it does, it's now, you know, no surprise, like, oh, well, no wonder you're saying yes to this. No yeah. wonder you're saying yes to this person. Um, mm-hmm. I had that example. I was honored. I'm privileged to have had that example in my yeah. life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's enough about Siobhan. Yeah. Um, and and I, I think it's, I think it's, it's beautiful though. It, it, it's, I think that you all, and I, I'm going to, be presumptuous and say this. I think that you all get that. Um, there's a, there's just like a, this glimmer of like, um, uh, the word is escaping me, but there's this thing that you all kind of get from your mom, this mm-hmm. meek, this meek strength. Um, it's like a, it's a, it's a strength that is immeasurable, but it's so subtle. And, um, and because of that, it, it, it makes you all fierce in situations where most people are fearful. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, but you all do it with a smile. And, and, and so I, I just shout out to Miss Pat um, and for you know, all the family. For most, and even really now, I, you get asked the questions all the time from high school to college to your careers to icebreakers. Mm-hmm. Who's the, you know, the woman or the person that you can think of that you most admire? And my yeah. mother has always been the person on my paper, yeah. Um, because of what you just described and the strength, yeah. and we, she yeah. was really, she's tough. Yeah, and we weren't allowed to be. I'm even crying now. She's changed. She's like softened up a bit. So yeah, I, I'm a crier. Um, yeah. but we, don't say yeah. You didn't have to say that thing. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, listen. We're not glad you don't know. I'm a crier. That's how you know I get things through. Um, but to her, it was hard to cry in front of her because she yeah. she was like, "Oh no, no, yeah. we are not doing that right now. Suck it up, yeah. right?" So um, this fierce um, fierceness, this strength that had to come, and um, so anyway, thanks for bringing her up because yes, it, it's it's true, and that is mm-hmm. where it comes from. It yeah. is that's where it comes yeah. from. Yeah. All right. Cool. So let's get back into to, to your interview now. We we gave everybody they flowers. All right. Um, I I want to get to where Jessica starts to realize your superpowers, hmm. and when did you start to um, really recognize that I'm 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 cooking with more than what I what I think. When did you start to get in the rooms with individuals? And you've had, you've been in some pretty powerful positions. Where when did you start to get in the rooms and you realize like not only am I capable of this, but I'm actually front runner in this space, and um, I'm excited to take things to the next level. Where where did that 
when did it happen and, and how was that feeling for you? I think it probably happened 10 years ago. Um, I graduated from Carnegie Mellon University with my master's. Mm -hmm. I knew the company that I was with at the time was bureaucratic. It really wouldn't have valued that investment I just made enough to catapult my career, that I would right. be stuck there. And I might have incremental progress, but I would never truly be seen for who I really was right. and what I could do. So I had this internal clock, like no one told me, but I knew that I could not get past that year. I gave myself, um, I think no more than six months that I had to be out of that organization. I basically gave myself a pink slip. Like you have to be gone or this will become obsolete. The value mm. of this investment will become obsolete. And I just had mm. this urgency in, internally. Mm. Um, and I still didn't know what I wanted to do at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, I had the, my master's is in public management. So I stayed at the management track. I knew um, business was still, you know, my, I was called to business Mm -hmm. um, and I loved healthcare. Like I always loved mm -hmm. healthcare. I remember being in middle school and doing like a career exploration and it was a judge, a cardiologist, a neurologist. And then I realized how much schooling for neurologists and cardi cardiologists. I was like, ah, yeah. you know, but I'll do something in healthcare. I'll be, yes. you know, close to as possible. Yeah. So I always had this connection to healthcare. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I was with a healthcare company at that time. So I gave my time this clock, myself this clock, and and someone sent me a role, a website for Houston. It was called mm. HR Houston, mm. and I'm like, I'm not gonna, I don't think I'm gonna move to Houston, but I was really open, and I just happened to put in Pittsburgh, and I put what I did have, and what I was interested in. I put healthcare, business, Pittsburgh, and the organization Pittsburgh Business Group on Health came up. Wow. Never heard of it, and it was for a CEO role. Um, CEO role. And, um, and I didn't at the time, I was like, my heart started racing. Cause I'm like, am I ready? I thought I hadn't, yeah. hadn't led a team yet in my career. Yeah. Um, I influenced people. Mm -hmm. I led interns through programming, but I didn't have direct report yet in my career. I hadn't yet had um, the opportunity to manage a P and L. Um, mm -hmm. So there were a lot of things um, that I didn't have on paper. But I right. believed I had, I could do it. And, you know, yeah, and I honestly didn't have a doubt that I could do it. Like if I got, my challenge was, well, someone, can I convince someone to give me the chance right. to show them I can do something I've never done before? Right. And, um, and you know, I clearly was able to do that. So I ended up being the CEO. And I think that's, at that point, it was like game one, right? Yeah. Um, I was pregnant with my second child mm -hmm. or no, third child. Um, during the interview process. And I think this is important for the women audience because I do yeah. get the question, um, can I raise a family and grow my career? Um, mm -hmm. Do I have to limit my career and raise a family? Do I have to hold out on having children? And because I I'm growing this business or whatever, I get these questions right. all the time. And uh, I did um, withhold that information. They would have had to just ask me, you know, based on the fact that I was growing every interview. But I didn't share for um, upfront that I was pregnant because I wanted to know. I already knew I was black, and I already knew I was, you know, young. Yeah. So um, I didn't want to also think that I didn't get the role if I didn't get it because I was pregnant. Yeah. So I didn't share that, and um, so eight. By the time I start, I'm eight months pregnant. I already have a toddler at home. I have a five year old. I'm recently married. 
Um, I had a lot going on. Mm-hmm. And I took the risk of leaving a big company to run a smaller nonprofit company. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was worth the risk because I was now able to get from under layers and yeah. be visible, be the be, let people see who I knew I could be. So I think that's, you know, just that journey of just I know I was graduating from grad school. Um, I knew I had to leave. And I knew Mm -hmm. that I couldn't put myself in another position to be um, covered up. Mm -hmm. And that's when I had to realize what I was capable of doing. And I think that that was around 2013 when that happened. Okay. Okay. Let's go into a period where, you know, you're in leadership now. Uh, You have a staff that's counting on you to make right decisions so that, you know, they can keep a job. You have a board that is, you know, advising you or sometimes telling you what to do. Uh, and let's go into a period of time where maybe in this case, you can answer this personally or professionally, where you had a level of uncertainty and you weren't sure if you're making the right decision. And um, you had to like, Trust your gut to know, all right, this is this is either it or I got to find something else. Like, let's, let's go through a period of time where you had to grapple with something. Uh, what was the outcome? And then how did you how did you find your way? Where, where did you find the resilience to um, kind of navigate through that? Well, there's more times I've felt uncertain than I've felt certain. As okay. a leader, just to okay. be honest. Um, I, so I came into, um, leading this organization. I was the second leader ever for this organization. It was a 30 year, year old organization at the time. So mm-hmm. I, I came after I succeeded a founder of the organization, um, who retired. So they were used to a certain type of leader, a certain yep. profile of mm-hmm. a leader. And I was the exact opposite in many ways. Yes. Um, and I took what they'd said as truth. And they said they wanted to diversify their revenue streams, um, that that was a top priority. They wanted to grow the organization from a membership perspective. They wanted to be, um, remain and be an even greater force to be reckoned with. And these were literal words that were on the strategic plan that I received. Mm -hmm. Um, and as a result of that, and they told me it was important to do it you know, that some of these things needed to happen. At the time we were reliant on one revenue stream for, it was 60% of our business. And mm-hmm. there were market shifts that were happening that put that at risk. In jeopardy, yeah. And almost immediately, um, it could have mm-hmm. been at risk. And so we didn't have the luxury of time from my, from what I gathered very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I moved, I moved. I found someone who knew that part of the business, consultant, um, and then they pushed back. I, I had to like the process I had to go through to ha- be able to do something that a CEO should be able to, to do, which is bring a consultant on board. Right. I had to fight for, um, mm. but got it done. And we negotiated this contract with, which secured that revenue stream for another three years mm. and of, of a, in a space that I hadn't ever touched before, which was prescription benefits. Oh, okay. And um, and so that happened and that kind of gave a little bit of breathing room. But 
but we still had so much competition against this one program and I had to diversify really quickly. Mm-hmm. And every single, um, it felt like everything that I did was scrutinized or pushed back mm-hmm. on. And I even had my staff say, you know, our, my, my, you know, the former boss, she didn't have to do this, right? Yeah. She didn't have to ask, get these questions, yeah. Um, which told me what I already knew, right? Yeah. And, which you always know. And which you always know. So yeah. I, I understood that. And we also are always taught you have to perform at a higher level than your yep. peers. Yep. And because of that, that's a training. It's ingrained in you. It can burn you yeah. out too. You yeah. know, so I, I do, there's two sides to that. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, it's a part when you talk about resilience, that's especially through our inroads training that was embedded mm-hmm. in us. Like, yep. you know, um, you have to perform at two times, three times greater. You have to be, right. you don't have room for failure. And so yeah. I literally had that on me, that, that mm-hmm. weight on me, that there's no room. Mm-hmm. But what I also realized after stepping back and, and, um, is that you can lead someone, people, but they, if you're too far ahead of them, they can't see you anymore. Right. And, um, and that was a lesson I learned as a leader is that mm-hmm. with my board from a board management perspective is that, right. Yeah. They probably scrutinize me, this young lady who, mm-hmm. you know, isn't our mold, isn't coming from benefits. Um, doesn't have the traditional ex- experience and, but it wasn't that because things were getting done. The outcomes were happening. They right. couldn't see me anymore because I was moving at this accelerated pace mm-hmm. um, that it was hard to keep up. And that's my responsibility that I know now. Right. Like I have to reach back, communicate with you, let you know, sh- share with you the vision, where we're going, yes. right? Tag you along. Yeah. Um, but I was willing to leave them because we had to go, you know? And yeah. so that, yeah. that's something that I definitely um, learned and share now with others is that you can be as powerful as you are and you should be and as intelligent as you are and you should be, but there's people looking at you. There's people you're accountable to and for that also need to be able to follow along. And your job is to help them do that. Um, And I think that's, that's one of the things that really um, sticks out to me. I'm not sure if I exactly answered your question. No, you did. You did. You did. Okay. Let's, let's talk a little bit about, and we'll, we'll give like, Two more questions, and then we'll do a call to action. All right. So let's talk about a pivotal point in your life, personal or professional, where you, um, you, you really, you didn't know, um, you didn't know what was next. Okay. And uh, it could be even your move to Atlanta. Like, I know I have to do this, but I don't know what comes after. I don't know what the outcome of this is. Right. And can you kind of take us through how you feel, how you felt in that moment? And then what what did you hold on to to kind of get you through that moment? So I'm going to back up just a little bit because I'm okay. um, I think that this ties to this last question, and it, it kind of leads to this one. Um, personally, I have experienced um, postpartum depression twice. I have four mm-hmm. children, a 16-year-old, 
10-year-old, 9-year-old, and uh, my 5-year-old. Uh, two boys, two girls. And my first and my last, um, I experienced postpartum depression. And I was at boys. two different with my boys. Yeah. And I was at two different stages in my life um, at mm-hmm. that time. Um, the first one, I was a single mom, um, moved from my, you know, first, still working at my first company out of college and trying to navigate, do I stay away from my family? Do I move closer? Um, and the last one, I, I was married. I had been married for many years. We had three children. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I was a CEO of an organization and I was responsible for leading people. So two different stages in my life, but still, unfortunately, the same outcome of my mm-hmm. birth. Yeah. birthing experience. And, um, and in that there were similarities of mm. how, um, I was treated and some of the trauma that happened each birth that actually had a trauma, traumatic, uh, clinical experience in one way or another. Mm. And that carried over each time. And so I know why the last one, you know, just all came to a head with that one, but I had to lead at the same time. I had a family to lead now. I'm going through postpartum depression. I'm the face of an organization. Mm-hmm. And so he was born, in t- the last one was born in 2017, MJ. And in 2018, a report came out in Pittsburgh. Yeah. In, um, it was 2019. That said that it was one of the worst places in um, the country for Black women, Black people, to live mm-hmm. and thrive, but black women in particular in certain areas and maternal health were, was one of those areas mm-hmm. um, that you are more likely to die have giving birth right. and um, in Pittsburgh than mm-hmm. to comparable cities. Mm-hmm. And as the, being the CEO of a, a healthcare organization, an employer led organization, a change management organization and having mm-hmm. my personal birthing experiences, um, mm-hmm it collided like personal work were no longer separate at that moment. And I would get call or, or instant messengers on social media saying I'm in the hospital and I'm being treated bad. You know, they're not listening to me. They're treating me like a drug addict. They're not listening to my pain. Um, And these, these stories resonated. I believed them. And because I was a a visible leader that looked like them, they trusted I would believe them when they were in a healthcare setting in their most vulnerable moments when they weren't believed. Yeah. And I couldn't lead this organization and, and not address this issue. Right. And so I basically went to the board and said that like, mm-hmm. and we, and I didn't have any pushback at this point. I had a, a board that trusted me mm-hmm. um, that we, you know, that were, was good with my leadership. And they said, this is exactly what we should be doing. We thought we had time to figure it out. But we mm-hmm. literally changed the mission to include equity. And my mm-hmm. last few years in the organization was driving a health equity agenda for the first time in its 40-year history. Yeah. So um, this personal and this work thing, um, I, it should collide. <laughs> yeah. You know, it should be around um, what your experience is being able to be a solution now for a greater people. Right. And and I've and I've found myself in that posture and that position. And I am I've been able to influence through that national platforms. And now mm-hmm. and the national coalition which I was on a board of is this is a national agenda for coalitions all across the country because I had the audacity to be vulnerable about my own personal stories and to connect with the community mm-hmm. around us that were experiencing things in the system 
that we yeah. say we're advocating for our youth and influence. Yeah. Um, so here comes the move that you mentioned. Yeah. And um, I knew I want to kind of hold on to that because so much was built and yeah. literally my DNA was in this. Yeah. Um, but I felt led to leave. Mm. So I knew I was with was to leave the organization um, at the beginning of 2022 and worked with the board for, for about six months uh, towards the end of 2022, the second half to transition to me out. Mm -hmm. And I officially left in December, 2022 from being at the helm of that organization that is now transformed and still um, leading what I left behind. Um, the mm -hmm. work of health equity is a big part of my legacy there. Mm -hmm. So, I have found myself in a place in the last few months saying, who am I, right? Like who, yeah. who am I attached from this organization, from this title, from yeah. this specific position of influence? Mm -hmm. um, do I still have it? Yeah. You know, do people still see me, you know, and will they still pick up my phone call? You know, how much of it was me and how much yeah. of it was this organization and, and the yeah. position? Yeah. And that's a very real reality that I've had to um I've I'm literally just coming out of that right. and coming to an understanding. Yeah. And um and one, I had to separate from that to see that yeah. who I that's am. You. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> um and I had to because I, I my identities kind of collided uh, yeah. after two years. I, I took it all, all on literally. And I didn't know what I was separate from that. Yeah. And so now I do. And I'm yeah. actually back in just, you know, re-engaged, writing, finishing up a book on health equity um, yes. that I have I had been working on for the past year. Yeah. Um, that's coming out. I now realize I have to um, the health desk startup that I had started, I put on a shelf. Um yeah. But I'm realizing, no, your birthing stories were for a reason. The experience mm -hmm. you had and the influence you had in health equity was for a reason. Um, and that's still your yours to carry. And yeah. so I have a clarity now um, on some things that even just a few weeks ago, if we had this podcast, I may not have had yeah. um, around knowing who I am and who I'm for. Right. No, and that... I I thank you so much for that vulnerability because that's the vulnerability I was digging for. Like I was, I was trying to, I was trying to get there without you. So I'm so glad that you actually went there. And and let me say this, and I, I don't say this just as your friend. I'm saying this because it's the God's honest truth that you gave that position validity. It didn't give you validity. And and I promise you, I'm not saying that because I, I'm saying that because I know you, but not because I know you. Right. Mm -hmm. um, it, that position was a tool. It was a platform for and you worked that stage to the nth degree to the point that um, and I, I don't say this to 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 belittle anyone else. But like, I don't know who the founder was, but I know what the organization is now. And it's ringing bells around the world um, from a from the work that you've done. And so you want to talk about like you're a successor's uh, a, a, a predecessor's dream. Mm -hmm. Everybody, a founder always wants to see their work grow on beyond where they took it to. 
And yeah. that's exactly what you did with a limited Rolodex going into the role, right? And a limited network of high net worth of individuals that you could just pick up the phone and raise capital and everything else you had to do. And yeah. so to think that 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 position did not validate you at all. You validated it. And um but I appreciate I appreciate your vulnerability in saying I had to I, because you were so married to the problem and not married to a solution that you kind of got lost in who am I without that thing, mm -hmm. right? So I, I get that. Um, but 100% double down on the fact that whether it was there or somewhere else, um, uh, Pittsburgh Business Group on Health would not be what it is today without the work of Jessica Brooks. That's just what it is. And it doesn't mean that the founder didn't take it to where it was like it, that was necessary. The foundation is necessary. But if the foundation does not get maintenance and then embellish, it loses value. Yeah. Right. And eventually it dilapidates. Mm -hmm. And so you you've dressed this thing. I don't know who your successor is, but they got some big shoes to fill and um, they better they, they better be ready. Whoever they are, they, they they better be ready. They got some. They have some huge shoes to fill, um, based on the work that you've done there. So, kudos to you for doing that and taking a leap of faith and going into a brand new market and finding out your space in a bigger pond. Mm -hmm. Understanding though, um, as you come into this understanding that whatever stage you're on, you're valid in being there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's Thank good. You. Yeah, that's yep. good. So <clears throat> one more question. How do you and how have you, and I ask this to every guest, how have you held on to hope throughout all of this, all this advocating you've done for individuals? And we didn't even get into the nuts and crannies of our conversations over the years, like, you know, how you've how you've advocated for individuals, healthcare experience through COVID. Right. And you've been able to make calls to senior executives of hospitals to get people better COVID care. Um, you've you've sat uh, you were on the um, the governor's. Uh, tell me what your title is with the governor's health. What is it? Um, the health insurance exchange. Yes. The health insurance health exchange where you were yeah. appointed by the governor mm -hmm. to, to in, in that position of Pennsylvania, uh, Governor Wolf at the time. And so when you when you start to think about. Uh, all of these situations where people are calling you almost like you have your own bat phone, right? Yeah. You, 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 you know, they're calling you saying, Jessica, I don't know who else to turn to. And then you have to go in as a liaison or as an advocate and say, how can we give them better care? Um, how do, how do you hold on to hope? And you can answer this personally or professionally. How do you hold on to hope? How did you rather? And how do you? Hold on to hope. That's a really good question. Um, a report just came out uh, from the CDC that talked about how much worse maternal health outcomes have gotten through COVID-19. Mm -hmm. And the data is um, just it's 2021. It's so it's still old. Um, yeah. But the report just came out. And because of all that, 
you describe that I do in advocacy where people feel safe enough to call me no matter where they are in the country (laughs) and whether or not I have the relationships or not, they believe that Jessica can get in touch with someone and get them help. Listen, I'm calling you. If let something happen in Oklahoma, I'm call. I'm cut. Listen, I'm like, look, Jess, make a call. Do do it. Get get me the elixir. I make a call. I just have had someone. I made a call for in DC area and just had another. You know, so the calls are still coming, and it is so frustrating Mm. because the reasons are so. the, the same reasons they are being ignored. Yeah. They're not being believed. Someone, you know, just doesn't have a regard for them as a human right. at the time that they need them. Right. And, um, and so the reasons are the same, no matter what city, what state, mm-hmm. if it's a man or if it's a woman, um, mm-hmm. it's still the same. And which tells me it's a system. It's, it's a yes. system. Yes. And um, it's a culture. Mm-hmm. And so I get this report the other day and I have a closed circle of people that speak my language and Mm -hmm. we share the data with one another. And I said Mm -hmm. to one, like to your point, almost a hopeless, like what? Okay. I'm making these calls. You're doing what you're doing. You're educating on platforms. We're on these boards. You know, we're speaking up. I made a transform the mission of an organization. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like, but this is not enough. Like people are dying right now. People are being harmed yeah. right now. Right. And she said, we need an army. Mm. We need to form an army. Wow. And that gave me hope. That wow. gave me hope. Um, and now I'm thinking about what does that army look like? Right. So we're, wow. you know, um, with this is a woman king, so I'm not going out with spears. Yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. what does my what is my spear? What is who are who's on the team? Right? Like, yeah. in what position am I in the army? Who you yeah. know? Where's the generals? Like, I'm literally thinking about that mm-hmm. forming this army, and that gives me hope mm. because that's something that exists. It's a structure. It, yeah. There's a way with army. There's a the responsibility of an army. There's rank and, and file. Yeah. Yes, and it, there's yeah. a need for it, right? Mm-hmm. So understanding um, that the solution is already there, mm. and I literally have to be ready to just grab it. Um, wow. and I do understand that, and and so when I get in these moments, it's his space of lies, really, yeah. um, which says there's no hope which is a lie, which says there's mm-hmm. not a solution. That's a lie. Which says it's not you. That's a lie. Yeah. So when I get in these moments of having these thoughts, one, I understand it's a lie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get out of it really quickly. And of course mm-hmm. I lean on God. I lean on my prayer. I lean on, on my faith. I lean on friends mm-hmm. like you. Um, mm-hmm. And I lean on these, these circles that I've been able, this ecosystem that I've been able to organically build over the years um, mm-hmm. for the right thing. And I get someone to say, it's time to form an army. And now I'm charged. Yeah. So that's how I maintain hope. And I also maintain hope because of what you described earlier. When people see me, they see a part of them, right? They could take a piece of hope. And so I honestly feel like it's my responsibility Mm. to maintain hope. Yeah. That that is my charge. And I don't have the luxury to not have hope. Because mm. of so many people who are following me and who see yeah. me, yeah, that that's my responsibility. So I honestly am not one that has a luxury. That's just the purpose of my life. I don't have the luxury not to have hope. 
So I maintain wow. it for others. Wow. This has been so good. Jess, of course, I, we can talk for hours. Um, man, I, yeah, I, we'll wrap up here. We'll wrap up here. Um, I, but I want, we want to do a call to action. Um, how could people reach you? How can they follow you? What would you, you know, how, how do you want people uh, to engage you? And then any final thought that you have for our listeners uh, in terms of impartation? Yes. Yeah, so as far as contacting me, I'm very active on LinkedIn. Jessica mm-hmm. Brooks-Woods, if you're on LinkedIn, please follow me. Um, and on Instagram is more of my family, but I'll still reach back out to you. It's Jessica you don't got to put it out there. You don't got to put it. If you put, put <laughs> no, out there what you're no, I mean, I'm saying you, when you see it, my content is, is showing oh, okay. out my family. But I'm okay. very open. I'm, As you know, I'm transparent. So you can reach yeah. me. Where you okay. find me, you can reach me, and I'll, I'll get back to you. But LinkedIn is the easiest. Um, to get in touch with me. I'll have a website out soon, Jessica Brookswood. So look for that. Um, mm-hmm. And definitely purchase my book, um, Race Forward and Health, nice. and Health Equity Guide for Employers. That will be out um, this summer. This okay. summer. So look out for it this summer. Um, and as far as hope or you know, words of inspiration is recognize that what you've been through is for a reason and that there's a solution in you from that experience Mm. and, um, and be unapologetic about knowing what you already know about yourself. Yeah. And let other people find out through your action. Yeah. I love that. I love that. As we talk about new you, uh, that the, the, our tagline is the new you is in you. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, uh, kind of going off the idea that in the illness is the anecdote as well. And so uh, you don't have to look externally um, in the problem lies the solution. So Mm -hmm. uh, this has been, this has been so great, Jess. Um, uh, We will be, well, let me wrap up the call and then we'll, we'll, I'll get into that. Uh, So thank you to our listeners. Uh, I told you, you were in for a treat today. Um, Please, take some time to follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. And you also can go to our website, uh, newutulsa.com. On the platforms, you can find us at New U Tulsa. All right. Thanks so much for listening and have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to this episode of New Voices. Visit our website at www.newutulsa.com. That is N-E-W-U Tulsa.com. Follow us on social media at New U Tulsa on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And a special thank you to our producer, Jesse Ulrich. If you're looking for self-improvement, join our free cohorts for personal and professional development opportunities. New U is a way for diverse talent to imagine, discover, and actualize a 2.0 version of yourself. Bring your future into focus.